This morning we begin the season of Lent. It's the first Sunday of Lent. And uh, in reality, well, for all of my adult life, I've been in churches that have celebrated Lent. Uh, we've, we've used the, the purple uh, vestments and, and, and worn robes and stoles during this season, but, but that may not have been your experience. I, I know I've heard folks say, Lent, that's, that's like a Catholic thing, right? And, uh, and yes, it is a Catholic thing because Lent's been celebrated for a long time and for a long time, like 1,500 years after Jesus lived and, and died, the only church there was was the Catholic Church. There was the Eastern Orthodox Church too, but, but we all sort of sprung from, from Catholics in, in Europe. And then the Protestants protested and, and, and under Luther and started something else. And then later there were separatists who uh, were free churches like ours who said, I don't, we don't need a, a large ecclesial uh, body with, with popes and, and bishops and district superintendents and, and this and that, that, that the people were going to gather and where two or three were gathered in my name, there I'll be also and so a church like Oxford Baptist Church and, and most Baptist churches claim that, well, we're here because we're here together. Not because the Pope put us here. We're here because God brought us together. And when that's how you start, and when that's how you're differentiating yourself from a big institution like a Catholic church, you don't do the things that they did. If they do Lent, well, we're, we're not going to. We don't talk about ashes on Ash Wednesday because we're just talking about Jesus and the resurrection. We're not going to mess with a season like Advent because Christmas is coming. And we'll just talk about the baby Jesus being born. And in so many ways, the formal, traditional, uh, liturgical things that had kind of a high and mighty pompous whiff to them, they were eschewed because... Well, churches like ours needed to be different. It was all about Jesus. But these days, things are changing because what we are learning in churches like ours is there can be a richness to the faith by engaging in practices that help us deepen our experience of the passing of time, of the changing of seasons. And so on Wednesday night, we gathered here when we put ashes on each other's foreheads as a tangible expression that allowed us to see and, and feel that were it not for God's love, we would be just ashes. We would just be dust. But, but God took that dust from Genesis 2 and, and formed it together and breathed life into it. And so we are so much more than that. And I believe in a time like ours when so much of our, our own time and energy is, is stuck in phones or living in our heads or, or losing tangible connections to the things that we once knew so close to us. I think the act of bringing more tangible things like an Ash Wednesday, like changing colors in worship, speaks not just to our minds, but also to our hearts and our whole beings, reminding us that God is the God of our whole lives. 
And that our spiritual lives are not just lived in our heads and in our hearts, but they're lived everywhere, embodied around us. And so this season is also about the encounters we have. It's about our whole selves and about our our, our physical needs, but also our spiritual needs. And so we meet Jesus today and we meet the temptation narrative. It's the first Sunday of Lent and we read about, read about how Jesus was tempted in these tangible, visceral, like extremely human ways to remind us that Jesus was not just fully God but was also fully human and is with us and, and, and walked in a way that we too can walk even still today, even if it seems hard. So we we think about that. We hold that in our heads. We hold that in our hearts as we listen to the temptation narrative from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days. And when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. The devil led him up and showed him in an instant all of the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you, I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil took him to Jerusalem, placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Look, sometimes things are straightforward. If you lose an hour of sleep, you're going to be a little more tired in church. If you go to a restaurant and order a meal, they're going to come with a bill. If you're driving your car and that light on the dashboard comes on and steam starts coming out of the hood, you need to stop and have someone help you out, figure out what's wrong. If you only eat junk food, you're probably not going to feel very good. And when you fall, you reach out for someone to help pick you up. These are if-then statements. If something happens, then you react in another way. In our house, we do a lot of if-then around parenting. If you eat these vegetables, then you'll have a chance at eating a little bit of dessert. If you don't clean up these toys, you will no longer watch the TV or play your games. 
The helpful thing about if-then statements is that they are usually obvious and, and straightforward. And, and they can make things clear when they otherwise might not be very clear. An if-then statement allows us to know what's in front of us, know what we need to avoid, and understand the consequences of a decision made or not made. Of course, wouldn't life be easy if it were always if-then statements? The problem is sometimes the consequences are hidden. And as we consider this scripture we just read, Jesus is in the wilderness and he's being tempted. And he's tempted, we read, in an obvious way, but there were other temptations too. And so we look to this passage to seek and learn Learn about ways temptations might be difficult for us when they're obvious and maybe when they're not so obvious. Jesus had been out there for 40 days. Luke tells us that he had eaten nothing and he was famished. And, and did you hear? He went out to be tempted. And for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He was tempted the whole time. But then after 40 days, in what we presume is a weakened state because he's famished, the temptation comes to the forefront. If you are hungry, turn this stone into bread. Do we have any doubt that Jesus can do this? Do we have any doubt that he who walked on water could turn a stone into bread? He who took five loaves and two fishes and ended up with twelve baskets left over after five thousand had eaten could turn loaves, stones into loaves of bread? There's no doubt that Jesus had the, the power to help this happen. So he wasn't being tempted in his ability like... I dare you to dunk that basketball. He was being tempted in his ability to focus on his mission beyond the temporary physical needs he may or may not have had. And Jesus reminds us that sometimes getting the bite of bread is not exactly what we always need. Then the devil tempts him with all of the realms of the earth. And, and, and we could argue and debate and the way that the Greek is written. You know, you can think about, well, did the devil really have the authority to do this or that or the other? And, and well, you know, does it really matter? The question is, will, will Jesus give in to the devil in some measure and relinquish some power and influence he might have? Will Jesus try to consolidate power and prove something to the devil in the earthly realm? Or is Jesus going to remember that my kingdom is not of this earth? I'm thinking beyond these ways. Jesus passes on this temptation by saying, worship God alone. It's tempting for us to worship other things. But will we worship God first? 
This is a tough temptation. Because, see, we value things that are earthly. We value money and, and influence. We, we, we put a lot of energy towards things that are at times temporal. That moths and rust can destroy. And when we think about it, there, there are times when we give in way too easily to things that have just earthly value. And we do forget to worship God first and God alone. But new life and new birth and new possibilities and, and what God wants to do with us relies on our ability to keep focused on what God wants for us. On God's call for us. And, 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 and our ability to not succumb to things that may seem innocuous and innocent, but, but, but can and ultimately do keep us from the Lord. So Jesus puts off the devil's temptation knowing that he could shape the world better. Not by proving dominion over him in some cosmic contest, but, but by staying faithful for the long haul. There's no shortcut in getting power, the power of God. And there's not for us either. Then he takes them, the devil takes Jesus up to the top of the temple and says, look, you can jump. We know you can walk on water. We're going to see that in a few chapters. We know you can do what you need to do. So the angels are going to catch you and you're not going to hurt your foot or anything. And Jesus simply says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. But in being tested, the devil is testing Jesus' identity and, and who he really is. He's, he's challenging the human desire for esteem and, and power. But he's going right also at Jesus' identity. Are you really the Son of God? Because you could show it to us now, easily, quickly. But we know how the story ends. We know that there's a better way for Jesus to reveal himself as the Son of God than through some magical trick between him and the devil. And so Jesus resists and proves himself in a much more real and powerful way later on. He resists temptation and this is supposed to be encouraging for us. Because if we resist temptation, we too can draw closer to God. And I suppose it is a hopeful passage. I suppose we could read it in a context of, yeah, Jesus overcame, and we could throw a pep rally at the end of it. But Scripture is not just about cheering things on. It's about letting it set within our hearts. And, and you know, as we come to the first Sunday of Lent, Opening up the season with this. Maybe it's a little bit difficult to identify. Or identify with. Oh sure it would be easy if the devil took you and me. In some Charles Dickens like Christmas Carol way of, of, of seeing an if then temptation several times. And then just resisting. 
But the problem is, far more often than not, our temptations that we face are much more subtle than these obvious things that the devil gives Jesus. Oh sure, we know that when we go on a diet, if we have a gathering with family and friends, we'll have choices to make. Yes, we know that if we go to an amusement park, we have a choice. Are we going to ride the coasters or not? We know that when we're working on a project, we're going to have the opportunity to cut corners or not. These temptations are obvious, like the ones Luke chronicles with Jesus and the devil. But but you remember that for 40 days before these three obvious instances show up, he was tempted. You remember that these were only three obvious instances. And hopefully you remember, back at the very first line, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit went out into the wilderness and resisted temptation, leaving us to presume that with the power of the Spirit within him, he resisted all the temptations, the explicit ones and the hidden ones. That through the power of the Holy Spirit, we too can resist the obvious ones that may not be so obvious and the ones that are not obvious at all but have great power to trip us up and let us fall. And so I presume today that the implication for you and for me is we want to draw closer to the Lord. I presume that we have some measure of faith that we would like to experience and that there's something here about about why we're here and, and what we're doing that leads us to wanting to know God a little more, a little more fully, a little more thoroughly. And at the end of the day, what we find is Jesus moves through this season, these 40 days in the wilderness, by being full of the Holy Spirit. And to quote him at the end of one of his parables, maybe we too are, are to go and do likewise. Because hidden or not, explicit or sneaky, no matter our age or our experience or what we're trying to accomplish, we will face temptation. Our ability to turn a trick or take a shortcut, will be put to the test. Our ability to stick to our mission and our call and what we want to experience and accomplish, that will be pressed. And our ability to remember who we are, who God's calling us to be, will be challenged. And sometimes those challenges will be obvious, but more often than not, they won't. More times, oftentimes they'll be more subtle, but at all times, The way through the temptation is the same. By being filled with the Holy Spirit, which comes through practicing, worshiping, engaging in prayer, having meaningful Christian fellowship, and studying what it is we are called to study as God's people. We get through the temptations by being closely tied to the practices of our faith, which fill us with the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't just come when things are hard. That needs to happen when things are easy so that we're ready 
in case they get hard. Today we read Jesus facing temptation, and those temptations are definitely tangible and physical in here, but in our lives, I suspect that the temptations you and I will face today may not be as obvious. Our needs are going to be challenged. Our call is going to be challenged. And our identity will be challenged. And the question we face is, will we, like Jesus, in being tempted, have done what we need to do to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can be led not into temptation, but delivered from evil? And I suppose that's why Lent matters. That's why closing talking about Lent is the same or it's just as important as opening talking about it. Lent matters because during this time, during these 40 days, we take on some of the things we most fear. We avoid, we take on the things we most avoid, and, and, and we, we face the things that are most likely to trip us up and to make us fall. And, and during Lent, we face them. We face them together as a church. We face them with the Lord because we know that these temptations, these temptations that are here are just the beginning. But today we mark that if Jesus, who full of the Holy Spirit, walked through the earth just like we did and was able to resist, so too can we. And so today, the call is to draw close to the Lord, to remember who we are, to engage in the practices that will draw us to the Holy Spirit and and, and fill us with the Spirit so that we can be reminded who we are and whose we are and we can be seen through the temptations even when, especially when, those temptations are not as obvious as an if-then statement. Will you pray with me? Holy God, we give you thanks on this day for being with us. We give you thanks for Scripture that challenges us but also encourages us. We give you thanks for the ways that you teach us and you nourish us and you strengthen us and you help us to grow. And Lord, today by facing temptation, we realize that we have the opportunity to grow in faithfulness to you. And so Lord, help us in two ways. First, help us to grow and be filled with the Spirit so that we can avoid temptation when it comes. And Lord, when temptation comes and we are faced with it, help us to sense the guidance of your Spirit, which helps us to experience your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it would be in heaven. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but when we face it, be with us every step of the way. This, O Lord, is our prayer, and we offer it in the name of Jesus Christ, who resisted temptation. Amen.